that it should be very clear to everybody that when you've got a good story on the establishment, you don't go and tell the establishment what your story is and expect <laughs> them to cover it for you. You can forget that. Media skills trainer, moderator, facilitator, humorist, and journalist, Leslie Hughes, shoots on the truth. And what's this guy doing up here in Manitoba? Manitoba. 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 It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. (laughs) This song is fucking lame. Says it all in the name. Don't you whine and complain when your ears are in pain? Yes, it's all my fault. <coughs> it's not locked in a vault. With my voice so hoarse, still a bloody par for the course. Shame. So you won't sing along That solo's fucking lame So here's some more of the same Bottle up the champagne Baggy up the cocaine Why am I always cursed? When I'm writing a verse When I'm writing a verse When I'm writing a verse Can't play guitar Six string loser But now, thank God It's almost done So we all move along This song is fucking lame 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 Yo, what's up? What's happening? It's Ronald George Moore, your host for the Manitoba Money Shot podcast. Did you kind of get the impression that we're a podcast from Manitoba and it has a money shot uh, contest at the end with uh, today's guest? Um, The amazing, the talented, the lovely Leslie Hughes uh, had an amazing conversation with her, and we she came over to Crap Central and sat at the other end of my kitchen table, and we we uh, we had a, a fabulous talk about a, a book she wrote called The Dead Candidates Report, and it it basically chronicles the last decade or, or, or of her life uh, having to deal with. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. You have to listen to the show. You must listen to the show. Um, 
And the show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And uh, I nearly never did <laughs> the, uh, what's the big one the kids love? Uh, that one the kids love. Everyone's on Spotify. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I don't, I'm not going to do what everyone does, you know? Everyone's going to go see Titanic. I'm not going to see Titanic, all right? Um, way off track. Way off track. Um, join the Twitter account. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher, as I said. YouTube, um, Facebook. Now, I, I, I say this almost every time. I don't do a lot of posting. Really, the Twitter one is where I, I try to do most of my stuff. And um, you'll, I'll also give you, if there's any kind of special gigs, uh, some live live events that uh, some previous get previous. Guests have uh, have coming up, so join that join that Twitter account. Um, uh, Leslie Hughes, great show, great show. And the opening bit, by the way, was uh, from a YouTube clip I found uh, on Media Ethics, uh, 1984. So it's crazy. That's how long Leslie has been speaking her mind and her word and the truth. So. Um, you hold on to your hats and sit down and enjoy it. It's a great, great talk. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. I, I just love you to pieces. Bye. Born free. We're rolling. Yay! Whoa, we're back. How do you do? Ronald George, we're sitting here with Leslie Hughes. Oh my God. <laughs> And let's let's uh, let's get it out right right away. Here is you are the mother of Jeff Hughes. I am who was on the show. He's a previous guest of the show. Please go check that out. He was. He was here talking to you about the end of the absurd war against drugs. Of course, not the final end, right. but a magnificent step. Absolutely. And he was a huge activist. Uh, in that cause, before it was popular. Yeah. You know? Yo, and totally. So I'm very proud of the work that he did. But yeah, let's go back, Leslie. Let's talk about uh, who you are and where you're from and where were you born? Were you born in Manitoba? Yeah, not very far from here. Born in Winnipeg or born and bred, as they say. Yes, yes. Yeah, the Misericordia Hospital. You know, everybody knows where that is. Yes, Misericordia, yeah. that yeah. which is... Uh, it's dying down as a hospital, I think, right? Like, that it's not being, well, the you know emergency what? care. It's really hard to understand what is going on with all the medical changes, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I think of it as my birthplace, you know, mm-hmm. because it was. Yeah. And um, I grew up here in Fort Rouge. My We lived on Fleet, which is a stone's throw from here. My dad was a yard master at the Fort Rouge Yards, which is just across Pemina Highway there. Yeah. Matter of fact, I thought that he actually owned all the trains. How would I know? He would he would take me there occasionally and show off. He would hold out his hand and a huge engine would stop. <laughs> so, of course, you know, and, and then I, I frequently would get on it and go for a ride. Right, right. So... What did I care? I mean, <laughs> my oh, dad was king. That's amazing. That sounds like so much fun, it being was. able to just hop a train oh, yeah. <laughs> your oh, dad. Oh, yeah. So that's, this is the neighborhood where I grew up, the Fort Rouge area. Right, right. You know, very what working school did class. you go to? Earl Grey. Earl Grey, uh, wow. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we moved to Fort Gary. I guess this was upward mobility in the late 50s. Right. You know, and... Um, 
but the, the, this this place has a has a special place in my heart, as it does for anybody who's lived here. I'm sure. Uh, after Earl Grey, uh, what high school were you, were you attending? Oh, geez, let me see. After Earl Grey, which I remember so vividly, which oh yeah, I went to Viscount Alexander. Viscount Alexander, Alexander. right? I don't know what that is? Yeah, Where is I that? think it's amalgamated with another school now. Right, but that was the school, you know, in Fort Richmond, the suburban, totally white, totally you know, middle class. And what kind of a child were you growing up? Like, uh, what kind of things were you doing? Did you have a lot of friends? Were there any particular hangouts that you liked to go to? Were you hanging up on Corden? No, I was pretty uh, aloof. I was very serious. I was uh, I was known as quote a brain close quote. You were known <laughs> as a brain, which is the current date nerd. Okay, right? I was a nerd. You were pre nerd. It's not yeah, wild. I know. <laughs> I was a pioneer right. in, in nerdiness. Mm-hmm. So um, does that mean you're just heavily into into school? Well, I love to read, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I had no brothers and sisters or actually no no family, really. An only kid, only child. Right, right. right. And, um, so it's just you, your dad, and your mother? Yeah. I'm very shy. You know, it's very shy. Yeah. And um, it... Uh, it took me a long time to become the the genial, extroverted person that is kind of dominated, con- dominating now. Yeah, you know? yeah. It took a long time. <laughs> what, what after high school or before? Yeah, high oh, school? after. Way I think after. it was university that was so liberating. Oh, okay. Because you went, I went to the university. I, my university par- of Manitoba. Manitoba, you. And my parents were both very skeptical about that. They thought it was going to ruin me, and maybe it did. Right, you know, <laughs> ruined you for the better. Well, does that, that work out? That doesn't work out, but yeah, you I know what I'm heard saying. That expression <laughs> ruined you for the better. That's very good, Ron. I'm working on it. I'm working yeah. on it. But it, it, they thought that it was going to detach me from reality, which is a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thing. And reality is yeah. a construct, anyway, as you know. Yeah, reality is just whatever's around you. Yeah, you what, what, what you perceive, what you project. Yeah. You know, so yeah. your reality in this place at this moment, it might be quite different from mine. That doesn't mean no one of us is wrong. Exactly. No. No one's wrong. Of course. If <laughs> Everyone if has it, their own opinion. <laughs> yes. If, if, if somebody were wrong, of course it would be you. I'm generally but. wrong. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head from my experiences with others. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying sorry. Stop. Uh, but like, okay, so before university... Mm-hmm. You're saying in school, you're very driven uh, at work. I mean, I'm sorry, for schoolwork. School, yeah. uh, you weren't really hanging out with a lot of people. You weren't doing really a lot of any extracurricular activities. No. Did, were you, did you have a job growing up, like in high uh, school? I actually did start to write occasionally. I think my first article was in the Winnipeg Free Press had a page for teenagers. I think it was called mm-hmm. like... Teen topics or something. Teen topics. Something like like that. It's, I think it was supposed to do what what the playful toy carts do in a supermarket today, and that is build up a future relationship. You know. Oh, right. I think right, that was right. the idea. Because my first article was about why we shouldn't have to wear tunics. Women, because because the girls had to wear these horrible tunics. Did you ever see one of those things? Uh, no. Oh, God, it was post-Victorian. Uh-huh. Like it was. Um, oh, like a Mennonite. Is a Mennonite Well, I don't. Maybe know. it's just I'm thinking the way they dress so tightly. Probably mm, 
not flashy enough for the Mennonites. It was the it was it was pretty <laughs> awful. It was like a little sack, a black sack. Yeah. And uh, you had to wear a white shirt and a black tie, a little tie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you had to wear funny looking stockings, but I know that I did funny looking stockings with it. Anyway, I thought this was unfair. We should be able to wear whatever we wanted. And so I wrote my first article and the free press paid me $15, which was big money. This yeah. I think was about late 50s. I forget. Okay. I think I was about in grade eight or grade nine. Sure. And then I started to write a column for the local paper, probably on the same idea. Let's get, let's do something we think appeals to young readers who will be future readers. Right, right, right. And I forget that. I think that was called Teen Talk. Okay. Fairly limited imagination. <laughs> Anything with right. teen in front of it, teen will I'm do it. there. But anyway, look, look what it did for me. It gave me a chance to hone my skills in writing mm-hmm. before I went to the university. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's... that was great. And the editor at the, at the uh, I think it was called the Fort Gary Lance, whose name I'm sh- ashamed to say I've forgotten, he was so encouraging and so open to my ideas. I had wonderful conversations with this guy. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because we never know what kind of an impact we have on other people just mm-hmm. by being ourselves. Yeah. But I would say going back to those days, you know, he gave me the sense that I could do what I wanted to do. Oh, that's amazing. I know. I know. Thank you. <laughs> and Thank so you. journalism is your thing. Apparently, although I didn't realize that, I just called it writing. I didn't even know there was a difference, you know, between fiction and nonfiction. Because what I read was all fiction, but what I wanted to write was nonfiction. Who were your no. early? Um, what were your early books that you're reading? Like you- Anne of Green Gables. Would you believe? Wow! So yeah. the stereotype Nancy is true. Drew, <laughs> the Bobsy Twins. You Nancy know, Drew. The Usual Suspects. Yeah. And now, he- is that a is that a book? Which I one? know the movie, The Usual oh, no. Suspects. It is a movie. <laughs> and was it about? I don't know. But you but, didn't mean the book, The Usual but like The no. Usual Suspects you'd expect yeah. from a Canadian the kids prairie series. girl. Yeah, and Cherry Ames. Right. You wouldn't remember Cherry Ames. No. She was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Right. She was like another Nancy Drew. Oh, okay. But these were young women heroes in fiction who were self-defining more than women at that age, at that time, mm-hmm. normally were, right? Okay. So that Very was... Very inspiring works. Like, yeah. Yeah. And nonfiction, I mean, I'll tell you a story about um, Carol Shields, who was a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, and her thoughts on this. There's a lot of people who think that fiction is a waste of time. It's inferior. I mean, serious people don't read fiction. And so she told me about this time that she was at a fundraising gala at the university. I think she was chancellor then or something, some equivalent. And she had a very rich, very well-known guy sitting next to her, and they were talking and talking. And he happened to say to her, oh, well, I, I, I hear that you're a writer, but I don't read fiction. He said this to Carol Shields. Yeah. And Carol Shields said, oh, don't you think you'd be a much more interesting person if you did? (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Whoa. Anyway, so his response was that he just turned to talk to the person on his other side. (laughs) He had enough. 
That was enough. But she, but she was right. Fiction. I mean, there's so much to learn mm-hmm. from fiction. It's so rich. Yeah. And now, of course, now that you don't have to do years of research, you can go to your phone, you know, and and churn out the information, the data that you need to make yeah. your own. But what's the what's the downside is you know you got to fact check the fact checks. What did, what was your uh, your uh, your major? Or- oh, uh, English and uh, religious studies. Religious studies. Yeah. Oh. Right. Were yeah. you going to church as a child? Uh, well, I was not, I actually, I, I should be completely clear about this. I did spend a year or maybe it was two at St. Mary's Academy. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Yeah. yes. That was, uh, that was a one, that was like a mystic experience for a Protestant because I grew up in, in this Irish family and they, as usual, they had the Protestants and the Catholics and this big fight about how the kids should be educated, right? And right. I guess in my case, the Catholics won briefly, but my my parents couldn't afford to continue with the tuition. But it was a wonderful experience. You know that great, big, beautiful academy on on um, on Academy Road there, yeah, right by yeah. the bridge. Yeah. So so that had an impact on me. Just watching the nuns, they were so graceful, and they were you know they were wearing habits. Then mm-hmm. you know they swished when they walked. Oh, did they? Yes, they 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 were gliding from place to place and swishing, and um, their faces were so expressive and they were so watchful and so such good listeners. Right? That, yeah, that was very interesting. That's great. But, so you loved your time there. It's just uh, I did. yeah, parents and, could and afford I it. think honestly that the. That the, the, there's a, a sense of grandeur and ritual in the Catholic Church, you know, which there is not in many churches. Mm-hmm. And whatever your opinion about the Catholic Church, that needs to be acknowledged. You know that there was that 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 beauty about it, and in spite of whatever other limitations there were. Right. And I responded to that as a child would. I think I was about nine or ten, right. or maybe nine and ten. When I was there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is an important time. You know what, Ron? I haven't thought about that for, <laughs> for years. <laughs> oh, my God. I still admire the work they do with young women. Uh, at university, you're at U of M. And how many years? Well, actually, you know what? I didn't have the money to go to school for, like, directly from go to a degree. I, I went to school for a year, and then I went and taught for a year, and then I went to school for a year, and then I taught for a year. Really? That's, kind of, that's a neat da- program. Yeah, well, in those days, you could um, teach on a letter of authority, which the government would give you, because they were desperate for teachers. So oh. if you had some education and some willingness, they would give you a chance, and that's how I got my education. And what were you like, basically, you did a year of school, and then you'd teach that yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's right. And of course, as you know from having kids, mm-hmm. when you teach, you learn as you are teaching. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, things are more clear and more imprinted on you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so great because it's still fresh in your mind from learning it yeah. <laughs> to teach it out. It was, it was kind of scary because I'm like, I was only about a year or so older than some of my students. I was teaching high school. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I pretended to be a lot tougher than I was. Really? Really tough, yeah. 
I pretended to be what was then called a real hard cookie. <laughs> real hard cookie, right? I wasn't, but never mind. But nowadays, a straight out bitch. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I didn't care because I could li- I could li- lighten up, you know, anytime I wanted. But I could not have done the opposite. I couldn't yeah. have been lovable. And then what? What high school did you, did you teach at? You I remember? taught at two, three different high schools. Oh, uh, in Inwood Collegiate. In the Interlake mm-hmm. and uh, the Erickson Collegiate, and I did some substitute teaching in the Starbuck Collegiate. That's and then, right. so uh, were you able to finish? Yes, you did I finish. Did. And then I went to graduate school. That's where that's where the student loan program came in. And where know. was that? Uh, St. Paul's College. St. Paul's College the at the university. Yes, yeah. Right, because yeah. it's St. Paul's Collegiate. Yeah, I know that. St. Paul's College is the university. St. Paul's right. College, which is which is um, funded and taught by the Jesuits, who mm-hmm. are one had a reputation for being great teachers, and they were, mm-hmm. they were, they were right. inspiring. Right. Like I had classes on campus, and they seemed like a couple of the profs that I had on campus seemed like they were like basically reading. I don't know, reading from a tax form. And uh, 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 the, the, the Jesuits seemed to be breathing fire, but it wasn't religious. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was a passion for meaning. And I think that probably made a big difference to me as well. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't you know? just words being thrown at no. you. It was heart behind them, right? Yes. Yeah, cool. And, and also the priests, we're getting back to swishing, and I'm not saying the priests were gay. I had no concept of that. <laughs> they were all actually quite macho, but they at that time they wore the, the long black outfits. Oh, right. Swishing, you know? did you yeah. say? Well, yeah. I didn't understand. They, <laughs> yeah. The, the, cause they like were, the way they would walk? Yeah. They're swishing? The, you could hear the skirt moving. <laughs> oh, okay. Like with the same with the nuns. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Just a little thing, little tiny thing, but enough to catch your attention. Okay. You know? All right. And I, you know, getting back to what you were saying about, you know, becoming extroverted, mm-hmm. I, I would guess... Teaching, you know, uh, students your own age, that helped a lot to get you out out front there. Especially, you know why? Because the kids I was teaching in high school when I was just in university myself, they, most of them were very poor. Mm -hmm. And um, most of them had not had any opportunity and were not looking at a lot of opportunity. But... um, so I don't know to to teach to teach kids like that. It it how can I put this? You kind of wanted to show them uh, as much as you could yeah. of the bigger world, you know. Yeah, and encourage them to reach. And I think that you want to provide that same heart. Yeah. 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 I I think so. And I, I can still remember their faces, so many faces and names. And I bump into my former students. You do? You know, and, <laughs> and it's usually a happy, happy experience. But you know what? I think you're right about that. Mm-hmm. It was liberating to me to be working with people who needed me. I, I got over myself. Yeah. So um, I guess when I was studying at the U of M campus and St. Paul's College... I was um, mostly reading and doing academic work mm-hmm. and writing for the Manitoban. That's right. probably the best way to put that. 
Right. And how was the experience writing for the Manitoban? Oh, well, that was really interesting as well. Um, you, would there, you be assigned something or would you present a piece? Either way. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Yeah. The um, student newspapers are, I think that all formal media venues should routinely monitor student newspapers because they're often on the edge. Mm-hmm. You, they're, and they're not shy about, they have nothing to lose yet, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not shy about taking positions. I and see. when the more people accumulate, of course, the less willing they are to take positions right. on things. Right. I, I spoke to a, a really good friend of mine who is a wonderful journalist once, and I said to him, what comes between you and your best work? And he said, a job. <laughs> I understood exactly what he meant. Yeah. Because the job is very limiting. Because, Restricting, restrictive, right? and yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you want to keep your job, right, and then you better keep your nose clean, yeah. buddy. You don't want to piss off the big wigs. That's right, or right. even the medium wigs. And with the with the Manitoban been the diving board for you to... Uh, kick off a, a journalism career? Oh, I think after school? so. Right? I think so. Actually, well, and then I got, I don't know whose idea this was, but I went down and I applied for a job as a copy, copy boy. Mm-hmm. I went down and I actually did get a job. And the, the fellow who interviewed me was Gordon Sinclair's father. Now, most Winnipeggers know Gordon Sinclair because yeah. he was a veteran columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press for oh, decades. Oh, yeah, decades. For and his sure. dad was the editor at the Free Press when I went down looking for um, a job. And yeah. very interesting because he said to me, what do you want to do? Because if you want to do journalism, don't go to school. Remember he said that? Don't really? go to university. I was oh. already there. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, yeah, don't, don't bother because we don't, we don't need it, mm-hmm. which I think was a mistake, you know? On his part or yours? His part. His I mean, part. no, the whole, the, on the part of the established media to, oh. to, to tell future journalists that you don't need an education is a huge mistake. I but see. I understood yeah. because they, they were saying, we'll teach you what you have to know. Right. But in doing that, they also teach you, you know, what they don't know mm-hmm. and what what you don't need to know. Right. right. And you already had that, so that must have been conflicting working but there. But they hired me in spite of the fact that I was at university. Certainly right. not because of it. You know, what is a copy boy? What, what would they have done? <laughs> I, 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 I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. <laughs> it was, that's a really antique um, job there certainly went out. I don't know when, but the copy person would um, first of all run around and pick up the stories people were writing. Mm-hmm. So somebody important would yell "copy," <laughs> and you, the copy person, would run over there, yeah. pick it up, and you put it in one of those funny tubes. Oh, I mean, you see, I remember the tubes up, from you know, movies. Yeah, into Typesetting or and it whatever. Goes straight it up into the editor's room or something. Yeah, right. Well, right up to be to go to press. Oh, press. Right? Cool. And then also, um, there. I think there was a step when people were editing, and you would take that copy that they had written. Yeah. You would take the take the version that needed to be corrected back to the writer. 
You know, it was like, like, God, this is a lifetime ago, so you have to forgive me for not being too clear. That's not, no, no but, problem. And I know that the copy boys made a lot more money than the copy girls, but the copy girls were just happy to have the job. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I made some, some inspiring friends there, you know, when mm-hmm. I was a copy person. Yeah. And, and I loved also uh, the, the buzzing atmosphere that was on the fourth floor at the Free Press. People shouting copy and people typing. Phones ringing left phone, and right. Yes, just like a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like one of those early black and white movies that t- takes place in a newspaper. It was yeah. Just a, a Did you actually yeah. hear, stop the presses, and then an alarm goes off? I didn't actually hear that, but I know that almost, well, a lot of people had booze at their desks. Oh, for sure. Right. And everybody smoked and swore. Oh, yeah. Oh, swearing too? Yeah. Oh, lots of swearing, lots of and heavy smoke. And that uh, booze in the bottom drawer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- that was a little intimidating. Oh, yeah. Know, to, sure. to me anyway. But I, I persisted. And then, <laughs> so did you just, being uh, in the, this is the Winnipeg Free Press? Yeah. Right? Being in, the, in that building, was it just like kind of like you're climbing steps to, to become, uh, you know, get to getting in there to doing the writing as opposed to the grabbing and yeah, the getting? Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Because, of course, then I went on to teach, and I had never had any ambition to teach, but I enjoyed it so yeah. much. But I never went to the Faculty of Education. I was never a credentialed teacher. I had just had a Bachelor of Arts degree. Right. And um, a BA didn't get much respect in those days. You know, I, I don't know how much respect it gets now. Right. But it would have to be more than it got then. So so anyway, then I went, uh, I, I, I got a job at um, Red River Community College which was much more challenging. Mm-hmm. And they, there was a school of creative communications and, and journalism there. So that kind of like, I then had to start paying attention to stuff other than stuff that I just loved to read. You know, I had to be informed. Right. I had to be informed. So that's, I think, I, I taught at Red River for like nine years, I think, just to the point that, and there was hardly any women there at that point, but just to the point that I was starting to do things by rote. It's like I had a little tape recorder in my head and I, a yeah. little tape player, and I would put a tape in there and I didn't have to participate in my teaching. Oh, like anymore. autopilot. Yeah, I was on yeah, autopilot. After so many years, yeah, it's routine. Right. And I did not, I did not want to do that. And that's when. I actually left and I went to move to the Maritimes for a couple of years. Oh, okay. Because I was told that you could not get a serious job in journalism at a major market. And Winnipeg was considered a major market. Oh, yeah. And I was told I had to go somewhere. I had to go to the boonies somewhere, (laughs) you know, and do my penance. So I chose to go to Prince Edward Island, partly because of Anne of Green Gables. I was just going to say, yes, and you'd be right. I, I actually wrote a, um, a coloring book with a guy from, from the island, an islander, uh-huh. and uh, he and I did a coloring book, the Anne of Green Gables coloring book. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, pretty it, sweet. It was for kids who were about 10. Uh-huh. But, but anyway, so I, 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 I went there because it was tiny, 
And it was, it wasn't intimidating. It was mm-hmm. also very beautiful. Yeah. And by this time I had, I was single and I had my two kids right. and it was very cheap to live there. And also there's, there's a connection to your Irish roots being in the Maritimes, don't you think? It has that very same Celtic. flavor. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And uh, so that was, um, we, we lived on um, the tip, the southeastern tip of Queens County. And um, we just, we had like, I don't know, an acre and a half or mm-hmm. something like that. Wow. And, and we lived among lobster fishermen, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, we had the dogs who chased the chickens. And uh, both my kids still love the, the 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 island and the Maritimes. Then, while I was working there, this is how journalism careers. Where were you start. working there? I was working in Charlottetown as a freelancer. Local papers, or was this you're you're doing journalism? But is this that was for mail? the CBC? This is the CBC. Yes. CBC PEI. Yes. OMG. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, were you an on-air personality, or were you just uh, doing the writing uh, for the on-air personality? Um, mostly, I did feature pieces. Right. And commentary. So you are talking on the yeah. on, on the radio. Yes, which That's is a break that I would never get in Winnipeg. Crazy. You have to be much more seasoned mm-hmm. to to be acceptable in that role in a major market. Uh, especially, you'd you think uh, background in radio. Yeah. Right. So so while I was there filling in, there was a guy from Saint John, New Brunswick, who had a cottage very close to the southeast tip of PEI. And he used to hear the morning show there, and he took a liking to me. God knows why, Mm -hmm. but he did. And he hired me. He actually hired me to come and work at CBC St. John, New Brunswick. Oh, okay. Yes, which is, and then I was recruited from St. John to Winnipeg a couple of years later. Really? No, that was just a coincidence? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And so, and he used to tell me, you know, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm the one who uh, found, I discovered Anne Murray, you know, so you have nothing <laughs> to worry about this way. <laughs> You're still saying that to this day, every party he goes to. Yeah. Anne Murray'd be nothing without me. <laughs> That's right. Right. And I, and so, and, and, and he thought I was good. So, geez, that must mean something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's the way. My mind worked. And so that's how I became a lifer at CBC Winnipeg. And then I spent like, I don't know, 23 years here or something. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Strange. Strange. How was your experience working at CBC Winnipeg? What did you enjoy? What did you like? What didn't you like? I liked the fact that the expectations were very high. They're very serious. Yeah. You like working under the pressure? Yeah. Yeah. And, um... You, you know, the, 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 the CBC being a national public broadcaster as opposed to a private broadcaster uh, was able to do a bigger range of stories. When you work for a national public broadcaster anywhere in the world, certainly here in Canada, you are not the property of a private owner. Mm-hmm. So you have a greater range of topics and more flexibility of opinion. You also have an obligation for more balance. It doesn't mean you always reach it, but that is the goal. It should be everybody's network. Right, right. Because it's owned by the people, supported by the people, paid for by the people. Yeah. And so you cannot 
exploit any group or ignore any group. Now, this is theory. This is, this is what you aim for, not necessarily what you achieve. Yeah. And you, you, are, you have more obligation. So the CBC in Canada, like, like the BBC, right, is kind of like the gold standard. It should be the best, and serious. that's the place where serious journalists want to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Sure. Although, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, private networks can also produce excellent uh, reporters and essayists and editorialists and editors. Right. It's entirely possible. But in my view, you know, the, the the problem that we're having now, this great confusion that settled over the developed world, in lies and fog and misinformation and disinformation and who is telling the truth and and who isn't yeah that's all because information has been commodified it's been made a commodity that is you know bought and sold for profit yeah right 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 okay so to my way of thinking all journalism should be either publicly supported or should be alternative independent um uh, journalism, which declares its source of income, so you know where they're coming from. Right, much like say Democracy Now. Am I thinking exactly? Yeah. Oh, that's that's such a good reference. Yeah. Well, Jeff, when Jeff was here, we talked about Democracy yeah. Now and, and, and Amy uh, Goodman and Amy that Goodman. whole crew. Yeah, for the, sure. The thing is that they are not invested, right, in a corporation, and and so they are much more free to explore. And give balanced reports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, con- the truth is still out there. It's uh, pretty amazing what you've accomplished over these years. I was looking at your uh, your LinkedIn, 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 oh. LinkedIn oh, page. I, you know what? I haven't done anything with that for years. Oh. It goes over honors and awards. Do you mind if I mention a few? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Best interviewer by uh, Winnipeg Actra. Best interview. I thought that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. CBC Manitoba's nominee for the President's Award. The mm. President's Award. What is that? That is an award for outreach. It means that you you go a lot of places and talk to a lot of people about the CBC. You do work, volunteer work on behalf of the CBC. Yes, and you're quite a volunteer. You have <laughs> uh, Outstanding Media Volunteer by UNICEF. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you worked along, you worked hand-in-hand hand with UNICEF? Yeah, I'm just interested. All you have to do is pay attention. I guess so. <laughs> if you pay attention long enough, they give you an award. Yeah. I think there's a little bit more to it than yeah. that. Uh, outstanding alumni for distinguished achievement from the U of M. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That was great. I mean, really, I <laughs> outstanding was outstanding alumni. I was, That's. I was excited about that. And woman of the year in communications. Yeah. Woman of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I know. Well, how do you feel about these awards? Do you feel like... uh, uh, I feel I need to work a little harder mm -hmm. to deserve them. (laughs) Know what I mean? I guess. I'm not sure. So you're saying you you didn't deserve these? Is this a scoop? (laughs) Oh, oh, geez. I don't know if I want to go that far. But... but, yeah, it's you know you just you just feel humbled because you just feel humbled, right? You know, and, and thankful. But of course, it's not the point. You are the only person who knows if you are doing the work 
that you should be doing. Right, right. You know when your work is strong and you know when it's lazy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's got to feel great to see that your work is recognized and, you know, that, uh, uh, that it's led to something, you know? Yes. Like it's- yes, it's nice. Well, you know, Winnipeg is an interesting town in that way. It's when you are, like, world famous in Winnipeg. You know, like people recognize your face or your voice and say, yeah. well, I know you yeah. uh, and I'd like to deck you. <laughs> right? It's the best of both worlds. Right. It's the best of both worlds. <laughs> oh, and I didn't, I didn't tell you that story I wanted to tell you about, about one of my fans. But Let's go. Let's you, okay. hear it. Well, it's like this. I used to take my kids occasionally to a city hotel for a weekend. It was like a little mini vacation. This one particular time, we all got our our suits on and we went down to the pool. And there was a guy in the pool who, and I don't know why, but I found him kind of creepy. Yeah. And there was like, I don't know, maybe there was three or four other people in the pool at the time. And then they were gone. They were, they were just gone. Right. <laughs> and then, and my kids and I are now in the pool. Yeah. With I, one lone stranger. Yeah, with this one guy. Yeah. Guest at the hotel, obviously. You would assume. And I had no information on which to to make any judgments whatsoever. I just found him a little creepy. Anyway, so we're ignoring him and we're having fun. And then along comes two people. One of them is a hotel employee and the other one is a police officer. Uh-huh. And they come and they they take him out of the pool. And so I'm thinking, uh-huh, my antennae were correct. Yeah. There is something, some offensive behavior here. Yeah. And, and while they were... Leading him away, he waved at me and he said, Say, aren't you Leslie Shoes? I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> and I thought, <sighs> speaking of feeling humbled, you know, because I had been thinking all these unkind thoughts about him, very yeah. judgmental, with no just intuition, which seemed to be confirmed. And, and, and then the guy <laughs> turns out to be a fan of mine. I, yeah. well, I, I didn't know how to process that. You can't choose your fans. You Only, you know, but, Where were but you? Also. Where were you when I needed you to say that? Because the but, kids were too small to discuss yeah, it. You have a twinge of guilt now. I see. But I'm sure it was pulled out for a good reason, right? But you know what? As you say, you can't choose your fans. Your fans can choose you, mm-hmm. but you can't choose your fans. It's true. Yeah, right? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I once had... The uh, KKK send me an email of appreciation. Oh my yeah, God! I know. Imagine oh that. my God, Leslie! Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> now, don't tell me this is over the uh, anti-Semitic yeah, kerfuffle. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they assumed I was guilty in that, yeah. and then they apparently a lot of people. Did. Yeah. <laughs> do do <laughs> yeah. you feel like talking about that at all, or do you want to leave it yeah. off the off the board? Well, maybe, you know what? It's not right to leave it off the board. I just finished a book, right, about it. That's right. Um, we didn't even get in the fact that you, you have a book coming out. I do, but the yeah. thing is that I haven't made a commitment for the distribution yet. So right, right, right. I don't know if I'm going to do a routine publisher or self-publish or mm-hmm. do a uh, an e- e-book or what. It's very confusing now. Right, right. Very confusing to know how to put your work in front of people. But the book is finished, which feels a lot better than it felt before. Because mm-hmm. before, it was an experience... Um, being publicly shamed yep. uh, in a in a big way on the internet mm-hmm. and uh, not appropriately shamed. I mean, like it was just it was a, f- a fiction, a, an anonymous blogger 
uh, wrote a spin yeah. on a column that on I column wrote. column that you wrote. And it found its way to a like-minded guy in Toronto who then published it and ex- accepted the spin of the blogger, didn't know the blogger or anything about them, mm-hmm. and didn't even know that I was a journalist. Right. Only that I was in, uh, uh, an anti-Semitic candidate running for parliament. Right, you were running right. for on um, the liberal ticket, yes, I as was. they say. <laughs> yes, the ticket. So um, I thought it would be useful to share this experience because then people know how absurd things happen, mm-hmm. how totally inappropriate things happen, yeah, and how smear campaigns work, you know? Yeah. Very good to know that. Oh, because I should tell you this. There was a group of people who were disqualified along with me in the federal election of 2008. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Now, there was a guy who thought homosexuals should be executed. Really? Yeah. There was another guy who who thought Canadians should be allowed to carry arms, like, you know, on their person. Okay, sure. There was a guy who lit up a joint and videotaped himself driving. And then there was another guy who was went skinny dipping with teenagers, and he was videotaped, as I understand. Was that that Jets, Mr. Jets? (laughs) Was that him? Oh, my God. I can't all my my years confused. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. I honestly don't know. I only know that I was with this this group and I, there was me and then there was this selection of very strange people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and yet, um, we were, I mean, I was the one who was humiliated in, in the media yeah. and my, my colleagues had no idea that I was a journalist. They didn't bother to find out and, oh, no. or that my journalism was the target, mm-hmm. you know, of the attack. That's very serious. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, very, very serious. Exactly. So it's my book is reputation. called um, The Dead Candidates Report. Oh, good title. Yeah, it's very, it is very good. The Dead Candidates yeah, Report. Because you, you are an ex-candidate. You are like Monty Python's parrot. Mm-hmm. You are a former <laughs> candidate. You have gone to meet your maker. Yeah. Right? Right. And yet, okay, Chris, the Monty Python's parrot never recovered. But I did. I took the people who charged me to, to court. And you won. And I won. Or you uh, yeah. left on a settlement. I got a retraction. Got a retraction. Got a retraction. That's what we're saying. so important. Right. Because I did not want That's to go down. a victory. I, I just refused to go down in history as, as a person who would support that kind of thinking. I just, it was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Congratulations, so- by the way, <laughs> that you were able to, to jump over that hurdle. Like, pff, hurdle. It's not even a hurdle. You, it's like a huge you know, wall. Ron, what they say is if you go to court... After you've suffered an injustice of any kind and you go to court for a remedy, mm-hmm. um, it's like going in front of a firing squad after you have drowned. Yeah. And, you know, I heard that. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. Because uh, you are on trial. Yeah, definitely. You are on trial mm-hmm. for as long as it takes to come to a conclusion. And you have to keep repeating... The same thing over and over oh again, God. right? Yeah. Until like so, people actually open their ears. My my one of one of my chapters is called uh, "All the Justice Money Can Buy," mm-hmm. because at some point, you know, you run out. For me, I went as far as I could until I would have had to give my house to my lawyers. I yeah. already mortgaged it, but I would have had to turn it over to them completely in order to finance the rest of my my loss, my defamation lawsuit, and yeah. that's. That's when we 
me and and my worthy opponents talked, and that's when it was settled, and I settled for a retraction yeah. and was very lucky, very happy to get it. You know, it's so funny to... One little thing, it, it changes your whole life direction, right? Because I was going to ask you, like, what got you into into, into politics, right? Oh. To, to run on the Liberal Party. And if that didn't happen, how far would you have gone? You know, how far would you have been up the Liberal ladder? <laughs> what, what what did uh, turn your interest into politics? Stephen Harper. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I watched him very, very carefully. Because remember, my most recent job is this media critic for Canadian Dimension magazine. And it's a it's a beautiful magazine. It's very academic and very left-leaning, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of it kind of reframes the balance a bit. You know, like Amy Goodman and Democracy Now, they do the same thing. Yeah. They do not start from a right-wing perspective. They start from a I guess you would say a humanitarian, humanitarian, you know, absolutely. perspective, which yeah. is quite, quite different. Um, so that was my most recent job, and in, and part of that job involves watching how the media describes to the public what is going on, and the media was much more enchanted with Stephen Harper than people were, but people haven't figured out yet that Stephen Harper was an early Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, he was just a softer, fuzzier, or as they used to say, a kinder, gentler... A Canadian. A Canadian. <laughs> Donald Trump. Right. But he has <laughs> he did things that Trump hasn't even dreamed of yet, doesn't know could be done. And, and they were done. And I was just... I would have... He just pushed me over the edge from observer to participant. Right, I right. Figured. You know... There was just no denying it. I had to do it. When people are making a choice, they should be informed. They should be informed of not just one point of view, but many points of view. And that is not the case at the moment. Right. That isn't how things work at all. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to take a chair out from under his bottom. (laughs) And that's why I signed up. And besides, I really liked Stefan Dion. He would have made a wonderful prime yeah, minister. Yeah, I, I remember that. You know, it's yeah. true that he cut my throat and stabbed me in the back, but I still say he would have made a wonderful prime minister because uh. <laughs> I know what went on behind the scenes. Right. And the, the media, I think, helped to eliminate him. All right, and just to be clear, he, he's the guy who cut you loose from the, yeah. from the party. He was ticket. the guy, and actually he didn't tell me directly. I learned from the media in a scrum in a, oh my God! Really? Yeah, in, in, I was completely unprepared. I he and said still I, no hard feelings after him not telling you directly. Yeah, he made mistakes. Yeah, that I and mistakes. I'm I'm assuming that he regrets mm-hmm. and that he wouldn't repeat. Right. I'm sorry that I paid the price as I did, but you know the thing is that once these mistakes are on the record. I think it, you're moving a little bit toward the possibility that they won't happen again. Yeah. Not completely, obviously, obviously. But it's, and that's why I feel good about having finished the book, even though I don't know what kind of direction it's going to take now. Because now it's, it, I, you probably now describe it as part of Holocaust literature. Not that, that um, I am appropriating 
anything, you know, from the Jewish community. This was the experience of a person who was very disturbed by by um, the the history yeah. of the Holocaust. Yeah, and I I worked very hard to educate as many people as I could about it because as as I said if it could happen to that community it could happen to any community mm-hmm. watch watch what's going on know what's happening yeah right mm-hmm. so i had been a champion of holocaust education and then i ended up <laughs> being, being publicly humiliated as an anti-semite yeah in canada of all places is yeah. this Possible? Well, yes, it is. And so the book explains... Especially 2008. Like that... Or it was 2008. Like that just seems like, okay, well, the internet's around. There shouldn't have been... These mistakes should not have been made. Well, but they they are. But they were. But they were. And I just... It's my my intention that they won't be made in the same way again. Right, right. Right. For sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my approach to the story. The Dead Candidates Report. I can't wait, Leslie. I want to see this. I want to read it. I want it in my hands. I want a nice book jacket. <laughs> you know? I'll come and read a little bit for <laughs> At you. night, every... Yeah. Please, that would be wonderful. Sure. No one ever reads me a bedtime story. I'm, the, I'm your girl. <laughs> beauty, beauty. Uh, I think we're ready for the money shot. The Manitoba money shot. Okay. Okay, so basically what's going to happen is I'm going to throw 100 questions at you. You have a time limit of five minutes. Uh, answer 100 correctly. 90% have to be correct, so you just can't give any random answer. But a lot of them, are, a lot of them are like, "What's your favorite this or whatever?" Okay. You win the money shot. Whoa! Are you ready? I'm counting my money already. Okay. Yes. Tonight's money shot is. <laughs> And 75 cents. Sorry, I'm eating popcorn. Remember, Harper, you owe me one. How long since you've been to the dentist? Six months. How Have you seen a ghost? No. Favorite Harrison Ford movie? <gasps> oh, Witness. Favorite Mark Hamill movie? Um, gotta pass on that one. Have you been to the Golf Dome? One pass. Uh, yes. Favorite candy? Caramel. Name a character from Star Trek. Um, a Jedi? The worst horror film ever is. Oh, and the room. Name an element in the periodic table. Salt. Name a store at Polo Park Mall. Sears. Oops, ha- oops. Uh, Sears, it counts, Sears is gone, it? it's gone. It's, but it was there. Okay. Have you been in a fist fight? No. Have you been injured in a car accident? Yes. Can you cook meatloaf? Yes. Are you any good at bowling? No. Most cherished toy as a child? My doll Lulu. Can you touch your nose with your tongue? No. Do UFOs exist? Probably. Name a former mayor of Winnipeg. Uh, Glenn Murray. Last place you saw, uh, last place you saw blood on your body? Uh, My thumb. Uh, are you a fan of rap music? Yes. Have you kissed a dog on the mouth? No. Do you golf? No. Ever ever dye your hair? Yes. What is an, an what's a nice day? What are you doing on a nice day? Read. What what's the last song you heard? Oh, well, that's a tough one. Oh, um, um, the South African Afro um, anthem. 
Wow. <laughs> Good answer. Name, uh, name a, a cereal that has marshmallows. A craft marshmallows. Craft. Craft. Name a band that played at Woodstock. Oh, well, what's his name? Um, a band or... Is... A band or anybody. Oh, Jesus. I forget. Okay. We passing? Yeah. Name a Bruce Lee film. No. Nope. Do you sleep in pajamas? No. Favorite comfort food? Popcorn. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Um, chocolate. Name a DJ. A DJ? A DJ. Nope. Do you play drums? No. Uh, uh, what's on your internet browser homepage? Uh, Google. Favorite video game? None. Uh, name a Mary. A what? A Mary. Name a, a Mary. A Mary? L- yeah. Like, like Holy Mary, Mary Mother of God? There you go. Uh, how often do you check your emails? Uh, three times a day. Uh, what's the last book you read? A John Sanford Prey book. Mm. Uh, do you own a bike? No. Name a brand of detergent. Surf. <laughs> what does KFC stand for? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Who sings American Woman? Oh, um, from Winnipeg. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Oh, I know it. I'll give you a guess. Huh? That was a clue. I I I know it. I just can't remember. Uh, have you tried an escape room? Yes. Have you snorkeled? Yes. Name any spice. Curry. Have you dined at Five Two Nine Winnip- yes. uh, Wellington? Yes. Winter or summer? So uh, winter. Uh, name a Woody Allen film. Oh, bananas. Uh, 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 best breakfast in town. Where do you go? Mm, pancake house. How many inches in a foot? Twelve. Uh, last book read. Yeah, oh, I, I said. Oh. Name something. Name something associated with Winnipeg. Uh, uh, Folklorama. Name an Olympic gold medal winner. Um, what's the Mark? Mark, Mark. Mark, the swimmer? <laughs> Mark, Mark Spitz? Mark the swimmer. He's a Spitz, whatever. Last film you saw in a theater. Uh, One minute. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Ah, oh, I see so many. Oh, this is ridiculous. Really? You currently go to the theater? I, yeah. Oh, shoot. I can't believe it. Name any movie you saw in a movie theater. Any movie? Yeah. Let's change it up. I've gone stupid. <laughs> I have. 30 seconds. I've gone 35 stupid. seconds. Stupid. Okay, let's pass on this one. Okay. Yeah. Ready? What? Okay. All right. Best breakfast in. Oh, be, uh, besides Robin's Donuts, best uh, coffee ever. Best coffee? Uh, Starbucks. Uh, say something in French. Mais oui, naturellement. Do you watch. Were you done? We do watch uh, Stranger Things. 10 seconds. No. No. Yes. No, you no, don't. No. Name a character from TV's The Office. The Office. Oh, I can't. Do you know the rules of backgammon? No. Ah, that's what? it. I didn't do it. No, that's uh, it. We're done. We that was five minutes. What? Yeah, that was it. Oh. Oh, so, Leslie, I failed you. What's my score? <laughs> Your score? Really bad. Oh, it, it's like uh, 50, 58. The movie one was tough. That was that cut up some time. So, like, did I give you fifty-eight answers or take fifty-eight answers? Fifty-eight answers. Yeah, out of a hundred. I, oh. I got about fifty-eight. I'd have to count them up. 
Oh, you asked me 58 questions. Yeah, you got I didn't get to hunt. Yeah, about 58. Dude. Well, Leslie, I'm sorry you didn't win the 1475. Me uh, too. Yeah, but uh, it's been a lot of fun having you here. My God, it's so good <laughs> to see you. The Dead Candidates Report. We can't wait for it. And you're going to have to come back because, as I said... There's so much that we could talk about. And we, yes. I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. I would love here. to do that. Yeah, we'll get you back here. I will here. do that. Please. Ciao. Ciao.